at least technically I think it's like week 12, uh, because we're doing a series right now that expands all of the services here in Calvary Chapel, uh, but here it's our fourth week in Church at Five, and uh, we're, our series is called Lord Teach Us to Pray. It's something that I really like, but I want to remind you, if you're either if you're here for the first time or you've been coming to, maybe this is, you've been to every service, all 12, uh, but I want to remind you that this isn't something that I or any of us here in the leadership just thought of on our own, but it's a request that comes right out of God's word itself. It was a request that the disciples asked Jesus, which tells us two important things, and I want to kind of remind you of this because it will kind of flow into what we're talking about today. Uh, two important things that this tells us. Number one, that even the disciples who walked with Jesus, learned from him directly, still faced a certain level of inadequacy in the way that they felt about their prayer life, which is, as I've said many times in this series, that is something that we're all kind of guilty of, or I think a part of our walk with the Lord. We, we always think there's, some, there's something more, there's something missing. And so they felt an inadequacy in their prayer life. They wanted to pray better. And this tells us that it's a good thing to want to improve in prayer. Prayer is so important, and it's a good thing to want to go deeper, to want more. No matter how long you've been praying in your life, we can always have this sense of, I, can, there's, I want more, I want to go deeper, I want to be more intimate and have better communion with God. I want to know how to pray better and go deeper in my relationship with God in my prayer life. And so... That's one thing it tells us. The second thing is it reminds us of God's grace in Jesus' response. It's something I think we can overlook. Jesus didn't say, are you kidding me, guys? You've been walking with me for years now and for a couple years and you, you're, you still don't get how to pray? This is like 101, guys. Come on, we learned this in kindergarten. This is like Sunday school stuff. You don't know how to pray? And I think sometimes we can put that pressure on ourselves. Like, I shouldn't, I, you know, we don't want to ask people about prayer. We don't want to, we just want to assume that we know everything about prayer or we go the other way and feel like, I don't want to tell people about my struggles with prayer because I should know this. But Jesus doesn't condemn them. He teaches them and he gives us the Lord's Prayer, which is a foundation for all our prayers as we looked at in week one. So God is not judging you. He's not shaming you because you want to learn and to grow in your prayer life. It's a good thing. He wants to teach us. And that's the premise of this series, having a heart that says, Lord, I want to pray better. I want to know you more. Please teach me how to pray. And last week, we devoted our entire service to a prayer night, kind of a, really with a focus of kind of intimate prayer to God as our Father with our goal of seeking this kind of intimate communion with him on an individual basis that he really wants us to reach him. We looked at how there's different, all of the different types of prayer, even confession or petition or uh, praying for others. Whatever, whatever we bring to God, we can do it in a way that seeks communion with him. And if you missed it last week, I'm sorry. Uh, it was a good service. But this week, uh, we're also going to do something a little bit different to a typical service again. I'll get to that in a minute. In this series, though, our, our goal then, if we're trying to get, you know, grow in our prayer life, we're kind of trying to grow our prayer muscles, if you will, right? And if you want to grow muscles, you can ask Jamie. He's, he's the buff dude here. I think he's over with his daughter right now. You can tell him about this later. 
Um, if you want to grow muscles, it's important to understand what you're doing, right? You can't just be like, all right, I want my muscles to grow. You want to know what you're doing. You need to take some time, study how muscles grow, maybe learn about nutrition and rest. But at some point, right, you also have to go into the gym. You got to actually go and do some work if you want to see any results. It's a combination of these things. And today I want to do a little bit of both when it comes to kind of growing our prayer muscles, if you will. So we're going to do a little bit of study. We'll see how it goes with time. A little bit of study, looking at an important practice to help you all, I hope, to help you all see a deeper and richer prayer life. And then we're going to go right into the gym, and we're going to put it into practice. So the second half, second quarter, whatever, last quarter, we'll see how it goes, of this sermon time will be devoted to practical application. We're going to actually do the thing that we're talking about and actually take some time to pray because I think that in the end, no matter what I say or what, I, what we talk about, it's, it's hopefully going to help you. But for it to really stick with you, I think that direct application is going to be the thing that you remember throughout your week. So that's the goal here. We'll see again how it goes with time. We don't want to go too long. Uh, the title of today's sermon then is The Way Into Prayer. The Way Into Prayer. This is, I think, a core thing that we're going to be talking about that I hope will help you. The, wor the world that we live in right now, it's a little bit quiet right now if I stop talking, but the world we live in in general is loud, right? It's loud. I mean, I'm sometimes I'm at home and I just feel like I struggle sometimes to just sit in silence. It's, we're constantly kind of feeling this draw to the loudness of the world, all these things screaming for our attention, most of them right on our phones. So that's really hard to escape sometimes. It's a loud world. And on top of everything that's kind of from the outside, we also have everything in here, right? When it comes time to prayer, all these things that are bouncing around our head all the time. What do we do? How do we get into prayer? How can we orient ourselves so that we can get into prayer in this loud world we live in? Well, when it comes to prayer, I think there's, there's no better place to look than the Psalms. The Psalms are the prayer book of the Bible in a lot of ways, covering every emotion and experience that we can possibly fathom in this life. Everything we're going to go through, we see in some form or another as a prayer in the Psalms. It's a powerful book. The book of Psalms, if you didn't know, uh, it's not just uh, random. It was actually, it was edited. It was put together purposefully from beginning to end. It's, it has kind of a, a flow or it's broken down into sections even. Uh, but Something that's, I think, noteworthy when we know that is the very first psalm. Because the first psalm isn't a prayer at all. It's actually kind of a preparation for prayer. And Tim Keller calls it a meditation on meditation, which I quite like. I'm going to use that. And so we're going to, let's read through Psalm 1, and we'll just read the first four verses, 1 through 4. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And that's the word of God. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, in all that it does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. 
Now, I've mentioned several times throughout this series that prayer is the key, the absolute key to seeing God work in and through your lives. How many of you want to see God work in your life, to work through your life? Prayer is the key. Prayer is the key. So there's no other way to see real impact then, real transformation of our lives or the lives of the people around us that we hope to be influencing for good without prayer. We have to be praying. And it's, it's really that essential. And if it's that essential, then wouldn't we then want to pray well? To work on being taught to pray. I do want to note before we get any further, that no matter where you are in your walk with the Lord, no matter what your understanding of prayer is, coming in from your whatever background that you have, prayer has the power to change your life, right? So you, it has the power to change your life where you are now. You might, so I don't want you to be like, well, you know, I just, I don't know enough to pray good. And there's, God starts with where we are. It's important to start exactly where we are. And I don't want you to feel discouraged today, but rather challenged to say, God hears me where I am. He hears me when I call to him. He, he's with me when I pray to him. And with that, I want to go in deeper. I want to go in more and more, have more communion with him. I want to see more impact in my prayer life. But I want you to not be, I don't want you to be discouraged by that, but encouraged and challenged And one guaranteed way to see more power in your prayer is to spend time knowing and meditating on God's word and then using his words as a guide in your prayer life and through your prayer life. We're given this image of a tree and the chaff. Now chaff, if you don't know, it's like the dry shell, kind of the kernel thing around a seed whether it's wheat or corn or whatever it might be. And this is blown away during threshing. They would throw it up and then that would just, because it's so dry and has, and kind of almost crisp, it just kind of blows away in the wind and the seed, which is heavier, falls back down. It's, it's nothing. It's just a shell. And on the, on the contrary to that, we see the one, the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. To grow in your prayer life, start sinking your roots down in deep into the word of God. Sink your roots down deep into the word of God. That's where you're going to just see this well come out in your prayer life. When we know his word through daily meditation on it, really seeking to know it well, it doesn't matter what we're facing in this life. Our leaves remain green. We become evergreens, meaning we have a joy and a peace even in trials and through suffering. That comes from having our roots deep in the truth of God's word. We'll still face seasons though, right? It says in its season, it it bears fruit. It's not always bearing fruit. Things aren't always going to go well. So we're going to see seasons in our life, seasons of bloom in the spring and fruit in the summer. 
and barren seasons when things feel hard or God doesn't feel as close as we think he ought to in our prayer life. Times of winter and cold. But in those times, because our roots are down in the promises of his truth, we can stand on those promises that spring will come again. God will bring us through whatever we're facing. That kind of steadfastness comes through having our roots in deep, which builds a strong and powerful prayer connection to God, which will then affect every aspect of your life and all of the people around you. Chaff, on the other hand, has no life in itself, produces no fruit, and when the winter winds blow, it simply is taken away. When things get hard, it's just blown with the problem. It has no roots, nothing that's holding it or anchoring it to anything. So how do we get our roots down in deep? Through daily meditation on God's word. Now I want to be clear, biblical meditation, because meditation has a lot of kind of meanings throughout the world. Biblical meditation contrary to other religious meditations, does not seek to empty the mind of everything, but rather to fill the mind with the truth found only in God's word. Most meditations, they want you to maybe repeat a word until the word itself loses its meaning or to just try to empty your mind of all things. Biblical meditation says, no, 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 that doesn't anchor yourself in something something that's stronger than you, something that's life-giving, no matter what you're facing, no matter where you are in your life, something that's going to produce something in you. Because we need to be rooted and anchored. And that's what we see with biblical meditation. So as I'm trying to be very quick today, there's a lot more we could say. can come up to me afterwards if you have questions. I'd love to talk about it. Take a passage Take a verse, read it, think about it, maybe memorize it. Something I did when I first started the job I have uh, that I have not been as faithful with in the last few months is I used to try to memorize like a really short, easy verse at the night, at, at night before I went to bed and then all the next day just think about it over and over in my head, breaking it down into each word each part, feeling the truth that it contains. What does it say into my life? What is God saying in that passage in itself? And I want to encourage you with that just really briefly when it comes to meditating on God's word and reading his word with this in mind. Because there's, we want to read his word in, in general. I think it's, I, you know, it's good to just maybe read larger portions at times, but also it's good to take smaller bits that we really meditate on and try to let it sink down in deeper. Than just our mind. And to gain the most out of meditating on God's word, it helps to understand it. We want to try and understand it. And sometimes we might get to a point where we're like, I don't really get this, but all right, I'm going to move on to the next one. Maybe I'll come back to it again later. That's okay too. But I think it is important to try and understand it as best we can when we're meditating on it. We want to both connect with God with our mind and our heart, right? Not just, uh, it's not just emotions. It's good to try and understand those things. Now that's not to say that we can't gain something from God's word in itself without a deep theological understanding. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is when we grow in our relationship with God, we should desire to want to know him more 
through his word and know him more intimately and seek that out through understanding his word in order to truly reflect on and find joy in God's word and promises at the deepest possible level, understanding his word will play a crucial role in that. And there are a few questions that you can ask. I think there's two types of questions to always consider when reading a text, when trying to understand it or especially if you're going to really meditate on it, you can take a moment and ask questions like, what's happening here? You know, okay, this is a you know, really cool verse, but what, is it, what does it mean? What is God saying? Who is he saying it to? Uh, what's going on in the chapter? What's going on in the book as a whole? Who wrote it? Who's it written to? And I mean, nowadays, all of this stuff is so easy. You can have it all on your phone really easy. There's great commentaries out there, and that they'll just give you this kind of information that just helps you to kind of connect with the text, to see it more in its layers and what's really going on. So you're not just trying to interpret it with your own mind, but really trying to grasp what's there. And then the second type of questions to ask yourself is what role does this text play in the Bible as a whole? How does it contribute to the gospel message of the salvation of Jesus? Everything in the Bible is going to be pointing to Christ, and we can always find that connection. And I think those are also important questions to ask when meditating on a scripture. And I only mention this briefly to kind of warn you to be careful, right? We want to be cautious and remind ourselves that our hearts are incredibly deceptive. Incredibly deceptive. And this means that we may read a text without any understanding of what was intended when it was written, and then find ourselves hearing something completely contrary to what God is actually saying. Now, sometimes it might be that God is maybe putting something in our heart or whatever, and that's, I think, okay, and sometimes God will use, use it to go in a, in a bit of a different direction. It's not what I'm talking about. But if, if the verse is, you know, about one thing, and, and you're kind of reading something else completely out of it, then we might just, we might be kind of taking it completely out of context. We want to be careful with that as well. And I'll kind of close that thought with this, that you want to seek to know the truth of God's, of what God's word has to say. Because it's God's word. Because he's the one who said it. And what God intended to say through it is what we want to seek to find. And that will be not always, it might be something specific for you, but let's start with understanding a little bit of what's going on in the text. And the best way to do that is first to pray. Right? We want to pray that the Holy Spirit would lead us, always reveal God's truth in his word to us and, and guard us against mis, misunderstandings or miscommunications and that he would continually be opening us up to his truth and revealing the word of God to us as it's truly the only way we can really understand is by the Holy Spirit. And the second is to take time to ask those questions that I mentioned and seek to find the answers for yourself. Read the commentaries Read what's going on in the book and find out what the verse really is saying. Now, meditation on God's word is, of course, more than just trying to wrap our brain around something. That I definitely would be clear on. It's not just about our intellectual understanding of the scripture. That's not where we want to end. The word of God is alive and active. Paul says the word of God should be dwelling richly within us. Now, that does not sound like something that's depicting a mere intellectual understanding, but something that also connects to our heart in a real and tangible and experiential way. It's something real that we can experience. So biblical meditation is a connection to both the heart 
and the mind to seek to know God better and experience the truth, his truth, more profoundly and deeply. So it's a combination. We want to know the truth, but we also want to experience that truth in our hearts. So our hearts and our minds. And prayer and meditation go hand in hand when it comes to the word. So ask for God to help you, to lead you, maybe to keep you focused when you can't seem to get your thoughts to stay focused on prayer. Let the Holy Spirit teach you as you read and meditate on the word of God. Let him encourage you and speak to you through the text. A powerful practice for this is, as I mentioned, to break the verse down. And I find it helpful to do that word for word, taking each word or phrase and seeing its individual value in connection with the verse or the chapter as a whole. We did that a little bit with when we broke down the Lord's Prayer and as an example so we can say, okay, our Father who art in heaven, we can just pray, we can read through that, we can pray through that, but then we can meditate on it and say, okay, our Father, why our? Why not my Father? It's, I mean, Jesus was the Son of God. Why not your Father? Why not my Father when we're praying? Why does he say our how glorious it is that I'm connected to Christ, that it's not just his, but my father. I'm brought in to be a co-heir with Christ. So you can just kind of go into depth on just one word. And that works with any verse in the Bible. We can take it, break it down, and that's what really makes it become meditation. The best way to do that is to memorize a verse so that throughout your day you can be just thinking about it, going over it in your head, and praying that God would reveal its truth to you. Meditation on the word of God also gives us the very words to speak back to him. Knowing God's word and meditating on it, especially as we start our times of prayer. So you say, okay, I'm just, you know, I'm going to take some time to pray today and taking a moment to think about a verse or meditate on a verse or to read through a verse kind of slowly and contemplatively will increase our vocabulary in communicating with God. And I use the example uh, a few weeks ago of my own son, who's about two years old, or will be in a couple weeks, and he only really can speak to me the words he's heard me speak. Other people too, but that's especially true because I think I'm one of the only people who speak English with him. So most of his English vocabulary comes from me, so if he says any bad words, he got it somewhere else. It definitely wasn't me. It's a harsh reminder, actually, sometimes when he does repeat things. I'm like, I don't, did I say it? Where'd you hear that? Oops. He only knows, though, what he's heard me speak. And as we read God's word, we have new ways of expressing ourselves from God's own vocabulary. Another thing we know in, through meditating on God's word is that praying his word back to him means we are always praying his will. We want to say as Jesus did, your will be done in my life. And when we pray his words, his script, the scripture that he spoke, we know God's word. When we know God's word, we are praying and we are praying God's word. We can be truly confident. It builds a confidence in our prayer life that what we are praying is God's will. It's God's will that we're asking. 
whether it's for our own needs or the needs of others or when we're praying for the salvation of the lost, praying for our city, there are such great scriptures we can use for this to pray God's word back to him. When I'm praying scripture, I'm praying God's truth and that gives me confidence in my prayer, which then brings power in that prayer, right? And just a really good example when you're struggling, when you're going through something uh, I just thought of this as a, a good example when you're, we're kind of in those harder places and it's maybe harder to pray. We can pray Jesus' words from Matthew eleven twenty eight: 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I can pray Jesus' words. Lord, you said, Jesus, you said, come to me, and here I am. Here's my burden. Here's my heavy laden brokenness. And I ask for your rest. So this is a way that we can just immediately apply Scripture into our prayers. Bring it in. And there's power in praying Scripture. And, and it truly can apply to any and every situation we face. And nowhere, again, do we see this more prevalent than in the Psalms themselves. When we read through Psalms, if you and I would encourage you to read through the Psalms on a regular basis... Start at the beginning and just read one every day, whatever you can do. Taking time when you have to meditate on passages. When we know the Psalms and start our prayers with these amazing texts, we'll find quickly that there is nothing we experience that isn't covered in one way or another in the Bible's book of prayer. It's so powerful to pray God's word. And as we prepare now to hit the gym, hope you guys are ready. Kind of do some stretches if you need to. We're going to go into a practical application of this topic. And I want to prepare you kind of for what we're going to be doing. And I'm like really on time today. You guys should be amazed. Now the full disclosure, this wasn't my idea. I've, I've heard about other churches doing this, but I, I thought about it and I just feel like this is the right thing to do. As I mentioned it's, one, it's good for us to talk about it, to kind of understand, okay, yeah, pray scripture, meditate on it. That sounds good. Kind of, Giannis reminded us in our, our pre-service meeting today, they went to a conference, and, you know, he comes back, he's really excited, he's really pumped. But I think that we need to be careful with that, right? We don't want to be excited about, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read scripture, I'm going to see power in my prayer life, and then you maybe try it for a week, and then you get discouraged, because it's not the way you thought it would be or whatever it might be. I want to I give you guys something tangible to experience today and bring that with you too. And that's the idea behind this. And I, I've chosen to go through the 23rd Psalm. How many of you have heard of the 23rd Psalm? A couple of you. And the rest of you have probably seen it on a coffee cup or something at some point in your life. It's pretty much everywhere. In the States, I feel like it's a little bit ridiculous. How often you see that verse. But it's a powerful, it's a good book or a good chapter. It's a good psalm, a great prayer to pray. That's why it's so popular. But I chose it because I want us to kind of be all on a common ground. As I mentioned, I think it's good to have some kind of grasp of what you're praying. And uh, a lot of the psalms, you know, we maybe want to, okay, well, what does he mean? What is he saying there? There's some of the psalms that are sometimes a bit odd, a bit peculiar. Uh, but this one's very grounded, and even if you've never heard it, it's really easy to follow. It kind of follows this like uh, shepherd mindset of calling God on, calling on God as, as our shepherd, and a lot of shepherd imagery. 
And so it's an easy one for us to follow. And so we're going to go through this section by section. And breaking it down into almost each verse. We'll do the first two verses. And then after that, just one verse uh, in each one. And I'll, I'll read it. And then I'm going to give you guys time to pray it. Maybe that means if you think, I don't, I just, nothing up here, man. I got nothing. I don't know what to pray. You can just pray the words themselves. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I know that from the King James, sorry. That's probably not the version we're going to use. You can just pray it directly. Or you can see how God wants to use those words to speak into your life where you are today. And as we do this, uh, you're welcome to get into groups. I would say maybe no more than like three, four at the most. Uh, you can get into small groups and pray, this, pray this, through these things together. You can get in a group and just all pray at the same time, time, same, time, same time out loud. Whatever you want to do, you can also just pray to yourself. If somebody tries to, you can just be like, right, I'm, I'm just going to pray these prayers to myself between me and God. That's also okay. I would encourage you. Uh, there's no pressure, but I would encourage you uh, to pray in groups if you feel comfortable. And this is a place I hope you can feel comfortable. This is church. This is, if, you, if we don't feel comfortable praying together here, uh, then where? Right? This is a good place to pray together. And I think it, it's a powerful thing for us to connect in that. But again, there's, there's no pressure to do it. Uh, the, the idea is to kind of practically experience this, praying out these praying out God's word. I want to invite the band to come back up uh, and so we can just maybe have a little bit of music as we uh, go through these, this time of prayer. And I want to also just mention if, two things. If you're, if you're here today and you're not a believer, uh, you might think, well, I, the Lord's not my shepherd. This doesn't really apply to me. I don't know. I guess I'll you know, check my Facebook, whatever. Um, I want to encourage you, if you're here today, you're at least interested in the idea of God. And so I want to challenge you to pray. To pray a, your prayer. To pray a prayer that, hey God, I want to see who you are. I want to know, are you my shepherd? I want to have that trust. I want to have that faith. But I ask you to reveal yourself to me today. Whatever that prayer might be, you can pray it. Uh, that God would show himself to you. And those of you who think, you know, ah, you know, what? P come on, interactive service, what is this? Like, I just came to hear what you had to say and then go home and, you know, maybe grab a burger afterwards, whatever. What is this? I want to really challenge you as well to really make a decision to step in to this, to leave with something today that God has for you, to pray through these verses and before I read verses 1 and 2 to start us off, let me just start this time of prayer with prayer. Father, we ask that you would be here with us right now, that each and every one of us would have our hearts open. And as we read through these verses, as we pray through these verses, either in a group or on our own, connected to you, that you would let it speak into our lives. These are not empty words. These are not just the writings of David's long, long ago, but they're your words. They're alive and active, and they speak to us today. And you, through your Spirit, want to speak to us today through these words. Let the words of this psalm, Father, resonate in our hearts powerfully and impactfully that we would leave today having connected with you, 
having a better understanding of your truth, but also having experienced your truth in a real and tangible way. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first one will be verses 1 and 2. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And I want to encourage you again, let this be a personal prayer. Maybe you think you need to come to God and thank him for being your shepherd. Thank him for leading you. You see where he's worked things out and shepherded you to where you are now. Or maybe you think, God, I don't see you as my shepherd right now. Open my eyes to see where you're at work in my life. Or maybe you are just overwhelmed and you think, God, bring me to that place of rest beside the still water. I need your rest. So whether it's thanksgiving or confession or petition or worship and praise, whatever it is, I encourage you now to pray through these two verses and then we'll go into the next. We'll take just three to four minutes. If you want, again, feel free to grab your neighbor and pray together if you'd like.
I know some of you are still praying, and that's okay. You can keep praying and go right into our next verse, verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And again, we can apply all the types of prayer, praising him for where he's led us, where he's the places in our life that he's restored. Maybe petition where we need restoration. We need him to come and restore us. Confession where maybe we've fallen away. We've gone our own way, fallen away from the path of righteousness. And we need him to lead us back as his good shepherd for his namesake, that our life would honor him. We want to live in righteousness for his namesake. I encourage you now to take a few minutes to pray through this. And again, you can just pray the words themselves if you have nothing else in your heart.
we'll move into the next verse again. You can continue to pray and don't be afraid to pray loud. You can pray out loud here. Verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What a prayer we can pray. You may not be going through a valley of death, but it may be something that feels like a valley of death. And God is with you. You are not alone. What a great thing we can be thankful for. And we can pray that the Lord would comfort us in both the rod and the staff as he leads us. The rod is a device of discipline that the shepherd would use to direct the sheep. But never in anger, but always out of love to protect the sheep from escape, to be devoured by wolves. And the staff is used to lead the flock, a symbol for them to look to, to follow. So I encourage you to pray through this. Pray the actual words themselves and then let the Lord, let the Spirit lead you in what applies to your life, what He wants to teach you, to encourage you, to challenge you with through this text. Let's take a few minutes.
moving to verse 5. It says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And we can ask, where, where are you in your life right now? Maybe this leads to a praise of how, seeing how God has put all these things in place in your life, leading you to this place of blessing. Your cup truly overflows right now, and you're just filled with grace and graciousness and thanks to him. And you can turn that into that prayer. Or maybe you can pray in a petition, say, my cup doesn't feel full right now. I feel empty. I feel I, I need more. I'm, I'm missing something. And we can cry out to God for that filling of our cup. And again, feel free to just pray the words themselves as they have power in themselves. Let's take a few minutes now. close with the last verse and have another moment of prayer. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Now, there are many things that we can pray through this. And I hope that as we've gone through this time, you've seen how reading through a verse can just open up all these things that we never would have maybe prayed if we had just come directly without looking at his word. But I would encourage you also to be reminded of Christ in this one. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm reminded of my salvation and the mercy I've received through Jesus Christ, the grace I've received, and that I am called his son, and you are called his son or daughter today, to dwell in his house forever. And all of the things that we can truly thank him for, nothing stands higher than our very salvation and call to belong to him. So we'll take a few minutes to pray and then the band will close with a final song and I'll encourage you to stand as they do so we can worship him together in a moment.